Are you a founder, co-founder, aspiring entrepreneur, or just someone who loves to hear about how companies are built? Then join us as we talk with founders and CEOs who have been there and done that. Welcome to the Founders Formula Podcast, sponsored by Hatchet Ventures. And now, your host, Chet Lovegren. Hello, and welcome to the Founders Formula Podcast, the show that's designed to bring you the latest and greatest insights from founders and CEOs worldwide who have been there and done that. Sponsored always by our partner in the podcast space, our founding sponsor, Hatchet Ventures. I'm your host, Chet Lovegren, aka The Sales Doctor, and I'm incredibly honored to have our guest today. Um, she's a close friend in business. I've known her for quite a while. Um, you've probably seen her on LinkedIn. She is the founder and CEO of Chief Evangelist Consulting, none other than Leslie Greenwood. Leslie, welcome to the show. None other than, oh my goodness, that sounds like I'm uh, famous or infamous. I don't know which one, but um, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. That makes me think of the three amigos, if you've ever seen that movie. Did you see this here? Infamous. <laughs> they get the telegram. Oh my gosh. I saw it. I'm too old to remember it though. Oh my goodness. You got to go back and watch it. It's so funny because they get the whole point of the movie is they get a telegram where somebody says, oh, we have this guy's infamous and they think he's like super famous, but they forget infamous because he's a villain. Oh. And so they're like, yeah, let's go be in this production with them. And then they forget they actually think that they're going to save the day. Anyway, if you haven't seen Three Amigos, great movie. You should go rewatch it. It has a lot of rewatchability. Um, <laughs> so uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different because um, Leslie is an advisor at Hatchet Ventures. So she started uh, helping build the community from the ground up at Hatchet when it first launched. She works one-on-one -on -one, uh, with companies in the portfolio network to help them as it pertains to not only their engagement with Hatchet, but also community. And she helps other companies build communities. And she advises on how do you build community and how do you find these raving fans and build these what we call evangelists. And it's not just to correct me if I'm wrong, Leslie, but it's not just the evangelist that you pay a couple hundred bucks a month on LinkedIn to post about your product or engage with people on a webinar. She's talking about paying customers that want to spread the good word and want to be a part of what you're doing in your company and want to take part in that community and really be front and center and, and be an advocate for your product. And so today we're going to dive a little bit into Leslie's background. Uh, we're going to talk about the experience that she's had building communities up to the point of being a founder. We'll talk a little bit about how she stood up her company, Chief Evangelist Consulting. And then we're also going to dig into some tips and information and insights about community what it is, what it isn't, things that people typically mislabel it as, how you can even approach community. What's what's the framework for building a community? Um, so before we jump in, Leslie, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell us your journey up to the point of being this wonderful person who builds these awesome communities and how you got your start in that. Well, thank you, uh, number one. And um, let's see, my journey is a long and winding road. If there was a book um, on my professional journey. That's would be what it would be called. Um, this is actually my second time being a founder. So um, my first company I started when my um, youngest, my oldest daughter was uh, five months old. I'd worked for a company who no longer wanted to continue with the uh, uh, maternity leave that they had previously suggested. Now, granted, folks, this was 22 years ago. And I decided if I could run their company, I could run my own. So with a, a baby on a hip and a diaper on in hand, I'd use a crayon to write a purchase order number and 
fax it and use my BlackBerry and think I was cool. And uh, I did that for 10 years. Um, also had two more kids during that time. So it just died a slow death, but it served its purpose um, during the time. Um, then, you know, just some, a little bit of a stay-at-home mom time. And then I re-entered the workforce and I accidentally uh, stepped into my first startup, my first tech startup when I was 44. Wow. And uh, it was, uh, yeah. And, you know, you know what? Once you know what a tech startup looks like in real life, you wouldn't be surprised. But if you're a 44-year-old mom who doesn't know how to make a bookmark on Chrome and you walk in to the tech startup in the janky area of town because that's where they can afford it and all the lights are off and all the weird developers are in the dark doing this and their computers are up on Amazon boxes and the CEO is wearing ripped up jeans and I have to wait for him to finish eating his stew before we can talk. Let me tell you, I thought this was like, this was, I had to call my friend and say, is this a real company? Did you fill out a W-9 and have you been paid? So that was my entry into uh, tech startup land. And honestly, um, I love it. It was, it's the wild, wild west. And uh, I, I don't think I'd ever go back to anything but working with early stage companies. That's so crazy you say that because I remember when I was still working in insurance, didn't even really understood that there were people like when we had Salesforce that somebody had to have prospected that person, the business owner sold it to them, like all these things. And then like I was talking to a friend of mine, he was, I can't remember the company, but it was in, it was like near Calabasas. Um, he was like, yeah, they have an indoor gym, like at the building, like they have basketball court, they have a gym. They have saunas, they have ping pong tables, they do beer after four o'clock. Um, they have like napping pods, like all this stuff that I was like, I thought that was just like Google who did that because it was cool and it was quirky, but it just like was normal in that world. And then uh, what was really funny is I was talking to some other people. They're like, yeah, well, of course they do. They want people to stay there 24 <laughs> seven. That's how they got to give them all the amenities. You, you never get to leave. But yeah, it is. It is such a surreal world because then when I started working in tech, I didn't get the pleasure of working at a place like that, but there was, it was like, you know, there was uh, a ping pong table. There were some beanbag chairs. They had beer in the fridge all the time. I remember we stayed late for a prospecting session one night. Shout out to Stan Gibbs, uh, one of my old AE uh, coworkers. And uh, he's like, just opens his desk and he's got a bottle of Jack Daniels and he puts it there and he's got two glasses and he just started pouring it. I was like, this is like some Mad Men type stuff here that we're doing. And he's like, dude, it's seven o'clock. Nobody cares. You know, we're off hours. I was like, you just have a handle in your desk. Um, absolutely insane. Not things, as you said, you would see in like the traditional business models that you and I are probably um, worked in prior to tech, but that's awesome. And so I want to, I want to dive a little bit into community building, especially because mm -hmm. this idea of evangelism community, like I grew up in a conservative Christian household. So to me, it's not really anything new because that's what church was, right? That's why they're called evangelists. Um, that's why people would do outreach. We build community programs to get people involved in the church. So to some effect, it's not new, but in this world of especially B2B SaaS, it is fairly new. And so how did someone who started in their early 40s in tech um, that was a founder before start building communities and getting involved in communities. Like where did that experience start and how did you find this, this power, this superpower, so to speak, that you really enjoyed and, and started running with? Yeah. In that, um, that first tech company I worked for, you know, we had a Facebook group, um, and I loved being in the Facebook group. Like I would be in there answering questions and doing things. And we had on site, like it's, I mean, we've ne you've never seen me like in action at a, an event, but like we had this 
like they'd come and come to training and I'd be hugging everybody because I knew all of them from Facebook is seriously just the same thing that I do now with other events through community. Um, so yeah, I think I've always had the interest in it. And then, um, you know, it really was just happenstance. I joined Pavilion as a member. Um, I was really bought in from the beginning and I pitched myself to the founder and said, Hey, you know, he said he wanted to hire a super junior customer success person. I said, I don't think you want to do that. And actually I accidentally, let's just call it what it is. I accidentally found my way into community mm. because I thought I was getting a customer success job or a member success job. And really what I got was a community building job. And so found out that I really love that. Um, even more than I loved customer success. So I guess the answer to your question is, I loved it, I've lived it, but I accidentally found it as a career. Yeah, that's awesome. And when you started at Pavilion, like give everybody some frame of reference, like how many members were in Pavilion when you joined? What were some of the things that you did along the way? Because I know now they're over like 10,000 members. Um, I think I think when you left, they were right around 10,000 members actually. Now they're clearly over it. I mean, it's been a little bit of time, so I'd assume that growth trajectory continued, but like, what were some of the things that got you from where you started to building this massive membership community? Mm -hmm. We had, we had great traction when I started, but everything was, I mean, people talk about founder led sales, everything. This was founder led support, founder led customer service, founder led everything. So if you had a question, you literally just emailed Sam. And so when I came in, there were five of us. We had probably almost 2,000 members. And we basically took that from founder-led to building out like the department, getting a support desk, getting a phone system, you know, creating processes, um, a mentorship program, a uh, learning platform. We actually built Pavilion University within member success. We actually built out the collection process. I mean, you name it. You know, I was calling members asking why their credit card was failing. Um, so, you know, we've soup to nuts on that general startup thing. So, and during that time, you know, we had growth Two, it was two years and two to 10,000 members, including adding a B2B offering and, and you name it. So it was 100% building the plane while we were flying it. Yeah. And I remember when the B2B offering got stood up, cause that's when I got brought in. Um, and I was like, <laughs> um, let's see, hmm, who would have, yeah. who would have, uh, let, let's see, put that together. Uh, that would be Chet. <laughs> I got in and I'm like, what the hell is this? I had so much of a learning curve because I had never seen, I think, I think that's a testament to what you were able to build with Pavilion though, in terms of raving fans, because I remember getting a LinkedIn message from Laura Guerra. She said, I'm looking for someone to kind of come in and build out one side of our product that we need help with, it's like junior AEs, enrollment managers, taking individuals and helping them sell memberships. But I also need mm -hmm. someone who can kind of like lead our outbound efforts to get us appointments for companies uh, that kind of want to bring their team on in a team's package, predominantly for our Pavilion University offering and then mentorship and also the community as well. But it wasn't a product, and I didn't really even know that until I. I'm, I'm a terrible interviewer in terms of jobs. That's it's probably why I didn't want to Sounds jump back great. into the job market. Sounds yeah, great. I was like, okay, interesting. I know Pavilion, <laughs> big company. The salary matches. You seem like a cool boss. Let's go. Um, at the end of the day, I feel like anywhere I go, as long as I'm committed, I can be successful. But I jumped in, and I was like, oh, it's not really actually like a product, though. Everything is facilitated through applications, and it really is the people that are the product. And you all did such a great job building it out that 
it blew me away that this massive thing I had heard about that everybody talked about on LinkedIn that had tons of traction. That was like, when I told people I was going to work at Pavilion, their mouths dropped. They're like, you have no business working there. Like I almost felt imposter syndrome because everybody in my network was like, you're working at Pavilion. Holy crap. Uh, that was back when it was actually mm -hmm. still called Revenue Collective. We rebranded literally the right. week after I started. Um, and then I got in and I was like, what is this thing that everybody loves so much? It's just the people. The people love each other. And I was like, this is crazy. But it's so crazy that it worked because you all built that. You built those raving fans. Mm -hmm. You built those people that are posting about it constantly on LinkedIn. And it was so incredible when I got there just to see the culmination of those efforts that you all had put in up to that point. And then obviously... I think I came in, we were at like five or 6,000 members, and then we skyrocketed there from there the, the next year, which was, which was awesome to see. I think that's where I cemented the idea of like raving fans or evangelists, you know, and, and how important it is. And, you know, for the founders that are listening to have a point of view on how you would treat your customers from the first time someone talks to them or the first time they hit the website, you know, is it, do they receive a service or product beyond their expectation. Mm -hmm. I think so often we're underwhelmed by the service and the and potentially the product um, that when you have that service or product that exceeds expectation, you will go shout it from the rooftops. I mean, we um, individually onboarded and called every single member that joined, no matter whether they were paying us $25 at one point <laughs> to $200 a month to welcome them despite their time zone. You know, we ran calls at 10 o'clock at night so we could include our APAC members. So like that personal touch, treating a probably SMB customer, maybe, um, as an enterprise deal is a lot of what, you know, created that feeling of connection, that interest that people would go out and just talk about us. I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit here because I'm sure this is something we'll hear from you later on in the podcast, but I have to say it because I think that's so relevant to what you're talking about. I've listened, uh, by the way, everybody, Leslie has a podcast. You know, I hate when people plug their podcasts on my podcasts, but I'm going to plug her podcast because I love it so much. So go listen to the People Powered Community Podcast. It's awesome. But I've listened to every episode and there are two things that I've heard you say on that podcast, which I think are relevant to what you said now, too. Um, if people use your community and they can get a support question answered or they can connect with someone else to learn a best practice, that's great. But the, the raving fans are created when they walk away, feel uh, experiencing a positive emotion. That's how you build that connection. I've heard you say that multiple times. Like, hey, community mm -hmm. can serve its baseline purpose if they get a support question answered or maybe learn a best practice from another member in the community or someone using your product. But if they walk away with a positive emotional experience and attachment, that's how you create that loyalty and that lifelong bond and that raving fan. And then the second thing is when nurturing your community, is you, I, I remember hearing you say, if you're create, if you're creating content for your community, you're doing it wrong. You should be creating content with your community and involving them. Mm -hmm. And those are like two things that I think uh, working at Pavilion, I also saw all the time was that like, you had people walk away from the community with these life-changing experiences facilitated in one way or another, whether it was through the on the bench program or having a call with other members in Pavilion or attending an in-person or a round table or even a webinar. But then even the webinars and the white papers and all the case studies were created with the members. It wasn't just we're telling mm -hmm. you the stuff. It's, hey, let's go hear from the members. Let's see what they're saying. Let's get them involved. Let's have members facilitate webinars. Let's have members be our panelists. Like I think very rarely I would see a pavilion person actually facilitating a webinar. It was always other members. And I think 
those two things, I just, I, I hear you speak about it on podcasts all the time and I witnessed it in real time. So mm -hmm. those are, I'm still in Leslie's thunder here a little bit. Cause I'm sure at some point we would have okay. heard about that on the podcast today, but those were, those were things that as you're talking about that experience, it's just so relevant that I, I hear you say all the time and I saw it, saw it in action. So, um, and I think, can I just, I want to add oh, one yeah. thing here. It's yeah. like for the people that are just, you know, there's not a members, they don't have a membership community. They're thinking about a community for their brand. What is underestimated is that what you're talking about, that connection or positive emotion that they get through the community then is automatically associated with the brand. So yes, I had a positive connection with Chet. It happened in your community. I feel very positive. I automatically connect that in some way to XYZ company that helped facilitate that connection, even if our connection wasn't even about the product. And that is something that's probably, you know, people can't necessarily put on a spreadsheet or put in a board slide, but it's there. We see it all the time. And I just don't think people put as much credence in that as they should. Yeah. A uh, great example. I don't follow Apple's TikTok page, but I follow a guy mm -hmm. on TikTok who does like stuff on his iPhone, shows you like cool things to do on your iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. Because he's building mm -hmm. that emotional connection with a product or a service that we both use. And so it gives me right. a positive feeling towards Apple, even though I don't engage with Apple. I don't even, I don't think I follow him on Twitter, but I follow this guy who does like cool, like, Hey, here's how you can do this thing on notes. Here's how you can do this thing with your pictures mm -hmm. or screenshots. I follow him and I learn cool stuff all the time. And I'm like, Oh, this is cool. I actually, I don't need a printer anymore or a scanner. I could just do everything through my iPhone digitally now with document scanning. It's crazy, but kind of, I mean, very layman way of, of, of comparing that, yeah. but to, to the same effect, like that resonates with me because I've experienced that in, in many different ways. So I want to, I want to highlight your company. So let's talk about, all right, you're moving on to the next thing. What led you to spinning up this company as opposed to saying, okay, where's the next community that I can build? What gave you that passion to go just mm -hmm. build communities for others and help them scale their communities or maybe revamp how they think community? How did you spin up the company? Tell us a little bit about the company. What's the mission behind the company? And then we'll dive into some of the insights and subject matter expertise as it pertains to what you do. Could you just add like six more questions though to that string of questions yeah. just for fun? <laughs> my my quad <laughs> quad compound questions that I ask on podcasts. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, okay. So when I was transitioning, I really thought, you know, I came into um, that role feeling like I was doing customer success. You know, I was going to extend the the customer success knowledge I had. And like I said, it really was community building. And so when I left, I really evaluated like, what do I love? You know, what am I passionate about? Like, am I passionate about customer success? I'm passionate about customers. Am I passionate about customer success? Not necessarily. You know, I don't, I could care less about doing a QBR anytime in the rest of my life. Um, but I loved the feeling and I still love the feeling. Um, if I'm not even building a community, I'm going to go hang out in your community and do the things that I do, you know, connect people and everything. So I just, I love that aspect of community so much. And I really thought this was a time in my life I could, choose to follow my passion rather than maybe decide that, you know, I need to go work for somebody else. I need to take a job that I sacrifice X, Y, and Z for in order to, you know, make ends meet. So, you know, I did have that luxury to follow my passion. I decided clearly that that was my passion and, you know, growing. And I think that comes through, you know, of course, if you get me started talking about community, like you can't get me to stop and I'll go, and uh, my face will light up and I'll get all animated and you'll be like, okay, Leslie, stop talking. Um, so I feel very blessed to actually be doing that and help other people see the benefits that I have reaped through community and help other 
companies bring that, you know, to their customers. I want to talk a little bit about how you approach building community. Um, obviously, if everybody wants to know how to do it from A to Z, just go hire Leslie. It's really simple. We'll put her website in the show description. <laughs> um, and if if the testament of the work she's done at Pavilion and the work she's doing for others right now is not enough, just give me a call because I'll tell you, I've listened to every episode of her podcast. The lady knows her stuff, so you need you need to work with her. Um, but let's talk about, let's say Sales Doctor wanted to spin up a community. Let's just do mm-hmm. some spot mm-hmm. consulting. If I was yeah. just, hey, Leslie, let's hop on a 30-minute call, if you wouldn't mind. I'll send you some Grove cookies um, for your time. What are the, what are the, what's the framework I need to think about? Or how should mm-hmm. I be approaching building a community bef- just to even understand if it's for me? What would you do in terms of spot consulting? What's mm-hmm. the advice that you give? Yeah. And well, the first thing we're going to talk about is, you know, your mission, vision, values. What, you know, what is, what is sales doctor built on? You know, what's the premise? What's the foundation of your offering? Now you are fortunately and unfortunately in a very saturated market of, in my opinion, sales communities that offer coaching and support and everything. So we're going to have to spend some time thinking about the sticky glue that's going to hold your community together. Because I am sure I know you've heard me say this, but it is not the product or the service you're selling, most likely, um, that people are going to be like, "Oh my God, I love this the product so like I'm so excited about a widget, but I can't wait to hang out in your community." Um, so for you, it's sticky glue. You know what is it that's going to define your community in a different way and set it apart from other from other communities? And then we we figure that out, and a lot of times that is through mission, vision, values. We figure out how we're going to bring that down into the community. So it really starts at the super high level. Might even look like, I mean, I do work with earlier stage companies, but it might even look like just startup consulting Hmm. um, or startup advisory. So that's where we start. We work our way down to the community. And then based on that, um, and then of course, we're going to test our our assumptions um, with community interviews or ideal community interviews. So in your case, it would be a brand new community. So I want to talk, you, you give me 10 people's names who you would love to have in your community. Let me go check that, um, you know, our hypothesis with them and see if that resonates, you know, and do a full interview of them. After that, look at any reports that you had, um, you know, if you had any survey data, you know, you've talked to customers, like what were their reviews of you? What's missing? What would they like to see more of? And then then from there, we build the strategy because we can't build the strategy. You can't just go and build A, B, in my opinion. I'm sure you can I'm sure there's someone out there that has a thing that you just go step one, complete, step two, complete. But in my mind, because community is a living, breathing thing, you can't do it unless you are doing all this background work to build a good foundation and build up. So I don't know. I uh, uh, didn't give you a lot of technical advice, but I'm happy to share. You know, I have a community POV exercise I'm happy to share with anybody. And it goes, it starts really with tell me about your mission, vision, values. Yeah. I think we actually had a brief conversation a month or two ago, and I think I kind of DQ'd myself out of even starting a community because you gave me good advice. And I'm like, yeah, I just don't think this is the path for me. And you're like, hey, if it's not like, yeah, your mission, vision, values don't align with what you would need to do to spin up a community. I think that was like really helpful. But um, well, and it's super hard to do as a single founder. Yeah. You know, the community is not about the founder and community is also very personal. So you go posting in your community and no one likes it. Mm-hmm. No one comments. It's crickets. Talk about like messing with a founder's head is very challenging to be in that position. Well, and if if anybody who's interested in standing up a community is listening, what 
Leslie just gave in terms of steps we would take before we even strategize. And I agree with you there too. You can't just go and build strategy. Not everything's plug and play. You can give my hypothesis on that, but I agree with you. You need some sort of auditing. Um, I think that's the only mm-hmm. reason I win deals as a sales doctor is I don't just have a discovery call and then go, this is what I do. Pay me X amount per month to build up your sales team. No, I want to go sit on calls with your SDRs and your AEs. I want to sit with your sales leader. Let me sit on a sales meeting and ask what our ACV is. And then I get four different responses. I know there's a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. let me let me do a pit stop and do a little bit of an audit. But for those that are listening, Leslie just gave us a five-minute answer on what we do before we even think about strategy. What Leslie didn't say is, well, we spin up a Slack channel, okay? So that is, there's so much more to community that I think people aren't thinking about. And I think a lot of times- oh, you're hurting <laughs> right? people that do that. Just like- I can't tell you how many one-off products or boot camps I've signed up for. And the first thing I get is an invitation to a Slack channel. And like you said, it's crickets. The founder's like, here's what we're doing. And it's like, one person gives a thumbs up or maybe two people give a thumbs up, you know, and that's it. Um, it's, it's, it's nothing like some of the other- communities that you could definitely tell they've really, they've really taken this to heart. Um, I know that you're passionate about um, some things regarding community and how it's mislabeled. I know that one of them is saying, oh, I have an audience. That's my community. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I think that I I I just kind of want you to dig deeper into that mislabelment, why people typically do it and how I might be able to take an audience and turn it into a community. Because right now I am seeing a lot of people that have great audiences. You have a great LinkedIn audience. Mm-hmm. You have a great Twitter audience, maybe all of social, maybe you're the next Grant Cardone or Elena Cardone or whatever, right? And, and the next Alex Hormozzi, who knows? I see a lot of that in our world, in our echo chamber. And then they spin up this community. I join because I'm interested if it's regarding sales or content creation, and maybe it's on fire for like three weeks, but it fizzles out or maybe it doesn't even get going. And I think that's because people aren't thinking about it the right way because they think I have this audience. That's my community. Can you talk a little bit about that phenomenon that's going on and how you would approach it if you were a founder with a huge, huge audience and wanted to turn that into a community for your product? Well, they're just two different things, Chet. Um, whole, wholly different. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure a marketer could give you a much better, more real answer. I'm just going to give you Leslie's answer. Leslie's answer is a community, an audience is someone you talk to. They may comment back. You may even comment back to them, but you're not having a conversation. It's also um, like a one to many. And this is where I think people get confused on community. They're thinking a community is like an audience. So it's one, the founder or the team, too many. I'm just talking at you. Whereas a community is many to many. Many people talking, many people responding. Um, like your example of building with the community, creating content with the community. If all I'm doing as the leader of the community is just putting out my stuff, hoping you love it, it just it, it doesn't work. And so that what you're saying is you build it, people like come on, and especially if they're popular, and it sizzles for a little while, and it just goes whoosh, because they don't understand the long-term commitment that goes along with community. Mm-hmm. It is much easier, of course, to build a community if you have an audience, but you still have to realize that your community is a different thing. It needs different foundations. It needs different processes than just what you're doing, you know, with your audience right now. Like you said, whether it's the founder or a team, we're talking at you. It's many to one. That's not a community. That's audience. 
that's a newsletter, right? Like that's, that's the things and that's for an audience, right? That's what a newsletter is. You want to yeah. push your content yeah. and information out with the team that you've created to a single person. I mean, yeah, you're sending it out to many people, but the engagement is just to that one person at a time, essentially, because mm-hmm. they're opening up that email as opposed to, like you said, when it's many to many, many people coming together, talking about many things um, <clears throat> with many others. So, uh, okay. I have one last kind of uh, question that I want to dig into. We've talked a little bit about your background. Um, We've talked a little bit about Chief Evangelist Consulting. We've talked about community building. We've talked about what it is, what it isn't. Um, Let's talk a little bit about how community works within Hatchet and kind of what you've seen the founders get value from there. Because I know you spent a lot of time uh, when Hatchet was founded, you know, helping build up that community. You've done a lot of work setting up the engagement captain model. Um, so let's dig in a little bit into like how that model works and how they're helping founders so that we can give the audience and the founders listening, uh, cause we don't have a community for the podcast yet. We do have an audience though, uh, about the, uh, <laughs> about, about hatchet and how it helps founders, uh, from your point of view as, as someone who works in the community. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, for me now, this is not official hatchet, you know, verbiage. I think I love the community aspect of hatchet. Personally, I love that I can engage with the, I'm an engagement captain for two companies, which means I am kind of the point of contact. I am the one facilitating, helping things, you know, bringing in the right resources at the right time. So there's many communities within Hatchet. So I have the engagement captain community. So I have a question about how, who I might bring in or what resource I might provide. I go to my engagement captain community and say, Hey, who knows what I should do in this instance, because I'm not an expert in everything. I need help. And I think all of our advisors also need help. And that's where the community comes in. The founders also have a private founder community. So they can say, hey, I'm also, I'm having this challenge. Has anybody been through that? Or is anybody going through that right now? And then there's the whole community, whereas like we're celebrating things. Like one of our founders just had a baby. So we're, you know, high-fiving, you know, Fran for having his baby or that, um, you know, one of Michelle at Find Mine, you know, got named one of the the top leaders in AI, you know, or that someone raised some money or just got their first customer. And so like just those things, I mean, obviously now you can tell I'm getting excited. Mm-hmm. Those things and celebrating that as a group is such an additional layer of support and encouragement in something that can be a very lonely journey that I think is unique. Um and that's that's really one of the things I love most about being an advisor or an engagement captain um, with Hatchet. Yeah, and I'm not even like my company is not technically a portfolio company. I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'm necessarily a member. Uh, you know, obviously we have an agreement as the, them being a founding sponsor for the podcast when we spun it up, and you know I work in an advisor capacity to some extent or another. But I have full access to the community, and even just like two weeks ago, I was dealing with a contract issue. And I, I went to Leslie, I went to Dalton, one of the co-founders. Um, I pinged a third person, but they didn't respond, so they don't get a shout out. <laughs> but both of you, both of you were like, yeah, let me let me finish up this call. I got like three minutes. And both of you hopped in these quick calls, gave me some feedback. I ate the fish, spit out the bones, did what worked for me in the greater context of the situation that maybe we couldn't get to in those three minutes. And that combination of advice, literally the next email was a go forward email with my proposed uh, move forward. My proposed next steps after we had been going back and forth for four days on email and I'm just on wits end. I'm like, who do I call about this? Felt so lonely. I felt so desolate. I'm like, 
oh my God, I just need somebody to give me some advice here or just even just build me up or like, tell me if I'm being crazy with what I'm asking for. Um, and it was just so helpful to be able to get that feedback and, and we closed mm-hmm. the deal, you know? And like I said, I'm not even officially like a, my company isn't a part of Hatchet. I just kind of work in mm-hmm. one capacity or another with them in so many different ways, but have access to that community. It's It's been equally as incredible. Before we get you out of here, Leslie, you know the drill. Last question. What is your founder's formulas for success as a founder and as it pertains to building out a community? What's a piece of lasting advice or your founder's formula for success that you would give to other founders who are maybe have a community around their product or are thinking about standing up a community around their product? Mm -hmm. I would say spend a lot of time and not just you because you think your baby is pretty um, thinking about the sticky glue. What is, I mean, think about what will hold my community together if I change products, if I change services, like what is that thing that is outside of your product or service that binds your community together? And, you know, that's a lot of thought to think about that um, and to really decide what that is and get some outside voices on, on what you could provide that's, you know, exceptional. It's not just enough just to plug and play. You actually have to go through the exercise because my thought process is community, if you do it right, can be very bountiful. If you do it wrong, it can be a big time suck and a huge initiative that just des- destroys your morale. So it's like actually do the work. I like that. I mean, because yeah, yep. people people don't. They like to just give me a formula. Let me plug in some numbers and see, you know, and I think that when it comes to something like this, this is not uh it's not AI. There's no chat GPT prompt for this one, folks. So <laughs> you just have to. <laughs> but it's not black and white. Yeah. It is all gray all the time. Mm-hmm. It's people. Yeah. You know, there's no right or wrong answer in many cases. I love it. Leslie, obviously, we'll have some contact information in the show description. But if people want to get in contact with you, uh, LinkedIn, I'm assuming, is pretty good. But what's what's the website? How else can people engage? Yeah, it's the thechiefevangelist.com. So thechiefevangelist.com. Um, yeah, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn. It seems like, uh, according to my screen time, um, it's far too much time on LinkedIn. So um, that's probably the best place to catch me. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, LinkedIn is a as a founder, it can be a big time suck because you're half social selling, but then you might get distracted. You're like, but I'm social selling. I'm doing my marketing side of my business. But am I? I'm just kind of browsing. You're posts. pulling around yeah. on LinkedIn. <laughs> it's, it definitely needs some some moderation. If you're interested in engaging with Hatchet Ventures, the Founders Formula podcast, or myself further, we'll also have links to our LinkedIn and company pages in the show description below. You know the drill, everybody. Every Tuesday at 9 p uh, 9 a.m. Eastern, not 9 p.m. Holy cow, we're all asleep at that point. 9 a.m. Uh, Eastern, we release a new episode every single week. Make sure you check back for the next one, and we'll see everybody next week. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks, Chet. Great to be on.